Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. Welcome to the Women in Tech Weekly Remix episode. Three, two, one. My name is Esprit Devora, host of the Women in Tech show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create the Women in Tech show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. To connect and collaborate with extraordinary women in tech around the world, remember to go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. The best business resource I have is my mentor's private Facebook group. I've never found a community that cares more about one another's success. It inspired me to create the same thing for podcasters. If you're a tech company or startup looking to grow your podcast audience, I created GetPodcastListeners.com, a private group specifically to discover how other podcasters have grown their audiences. So we could do the same. Check out GetPodcastListeners.com. That's GetPodcastListeners.com. Hi everyone, Becky Flint here from founder CEO of Dragon Boat, a purpose-built outcome-focused product portfolio tool for outcome-focused product leaders and product organizations. I am from the San Francisco Bay Area. I think companies are facing probably two, three key factors. One is, do we have a problem? If there wasn't a problem, obviously, there would never be a company. So I think the problems were really well understood. And then the second part of that is, do we have a product to solve it? And then the third part is, how can we iterate and improve on it? And from I would say the third part uh, is sort of the lucky part of, of my uh, the journey of the company is to be able to start to test out and try out a product fairly early. And many of them through the people I met in my career and through the my network of, of people I worked with so that it's not something where you kind of just build out of your brain, regardless of how right. great intuition is, you still have to hit the road, get people to use it. So it was really, uh, I think that was quite interesting and it was really helpful uh, to be able to get the product to some of the early customers uh, along the way. And one of the things that is really important to you that you shared with me before the interview is building a strong team. Tell me a little bit about your perspective on strong team building. It's a little bit complicated. So let me go take one step back, meaning that when we think about team, quite often we think about the people we work together, right? So a lot of times say, hey, I'm a marketing, in marketing, I have a marketing team. I'm working with my team together. If you're in, you know, you have, you know, product, you're working with engineering team, you have a scrum team, you work with them together. So that is obviously really, really important to have a strong team in that sense. You work with them day in and day out. There's something very interesting that I recognize that in some ways, the Dragon Ball's principle and also supporting that is to have a team that's not yours, and the ability to work and the, the not just the ability, the what is recognized that you need more than just your team 
to be successful is super important. So uh, this, you know, in the earlier days, working at PayPal and then later on in other companies I worked at, as well as, you know, eventually getting to Dragon Ball, we recognize this new, I have a small team when I get started, but I need more talent and skills and, you know, resources from other areas. How do I build an extended team and extended network? So how do I find advisors? How do I find partners? How do I find some of the consultants and, you know, and contractors? They are all my extended team and I get to uh, partner with them and leverage a small part of their their time, um, but its expertise are super important because I could not quote unquote own all these resources in the get go. Right. right. So I think building a strong team, both your core team and your extended team, that can uh, help you to fill in the gaps of the need in the business, uh, and and also obviously companies' growth are super important. Hi, this is Amanda Tice. I am the author of The New Mom Code, which is a transformational guidebook that helps mothers shatter unrealistic expectations and crush it at motherhood. I am currently based in Austin, Texas. So I fell into modeling. Before I was a model, I was a news anchor and a reporter. And I just, for me, it was not the right fit because it takes such it takes someone who is really good at not being emotional. And I'm an emotional person. I have a very hard time not showing my emotions on my face. And because you're on camera and on screen, right. when something you know traumatic happens or something that's difficult, I just have a hard time. Like if the person across from me is crying, then I feel like I need to cry. So I, I, I found out very quickly into that career path that it wasn't going to be the right fit for me. But the catalyst to me starting to model was in 2008 when the economy tanked. I had been doing freelance for MSNBC and MTV. um, And they were all like, we love you, but we can only pay you half of what we were paying you before. And I was living in New York City and uh, you can't survive in New York City on half of what you were getting paid before. So I randomly did a background job as an extra on a television program. And I met this photographer who also was a background actor. And he said, hey, you know, I really think you could be a plus size model. I was like, really? Like, what is that? Because, you know, back then, plus size models were not very common. And he's like, well, it's just, you know, a model that's a little bigger. So I was like, okay. He said, let me take some pictures of you. And then if you decide that you want to go down that route, you know, you can submit these. So I went and took some pictures with him. And um, one day in early 2009, I was like, okay, I'm not making enough money. I have to pay my rent. What am I going to do? I took the pictures that he had taken of me. And I walked into Wilhelmina on an open call. And they signed me that day. So 13 years later, I am still modeling. I'm not with Wilhelmina anymore. I'm with one management who I actually really love, who came, the two agents I have came from Wilhelmina when I was there. So it was great. But yeah, it's been almost 13 years now and I am an old lady model and I love it. (laughs) And, (laughs) And the thing that I really admire about you is even 
having a robust career modeling, um, you touch back into your roots of like being really interested in entrepreneurship and technology and built a really amazing co-working space in LA. So what inspired that and what happened there? You know, I think the interesting thing about being in the fashion industry is, let's be honest, it doesn't really work out your intellectual muscles very much. (laughs) (laughs) And I kind of felt this sense of like, modeling is great. And I do, I love it for the travel. I love it for the interesting people I get to meet. But it wasn't stimulating me in a way that I felt was really necessary to the core of my being. And, you know, my husband works in real estate. So we were both like, well, you know, having a co-working space could be something amazing for both of us because I love spending time around people and I love kind of understanding new things and entrepreneurs and using my connections to help people in different ways. And so Hatch was born and, you know, Hatch is very fitting because for us, it was just like we were hatching into a new part of our lives and the new experience and you know, that, that, that was great. And I was so excited for the fact that when I was a part of Hatch Studios, it wasn't really about me. It was this amazing community that, that formed sort of organically that all these tech companies came together in a way that wasn't corporate feeling at all. It felt more like a family and the space that we actually had was, I feel like pretty unique to what else is out there now. Hey everyone, this is Diana Morgan. I am the head of community at the startup called Copy AI, where we specialize in AI copywriting. I am based in Los Angeles, California. Yeah, so they found me actually. So this is a, it is quite an interesting story. I actually have only been on Twitter for about five months. And so I missed the whole November, October launch of Copy AI. I had no idea what it was until they reached out to me. So The reason why I made a Twitter actually was because I had just won an award for my work uh, doing community work. And I was like, oh, I should probably like connect with people around the same time as when I joined Clubhouse. So I was like, okay, this is perfect. Like this is the social media because I didn't want to give out my Instagram. I thought it was a little too personal, you know? So I was like, okay, Twitter is fine for my like professional endeavors. And so because I was heavily using Clubhouse, you know, The way word was traveling so fast back in February, uh, right after Elon joined the or spoke on the platform, it was an intense moment in time. I think anyone that was there at that time knows what I'm talking about. (laughs) Where like every second of the day you're on deprivation. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, a lot of chaos, and so I think with that, I was meeting a lot of new people in tech, um, and you know, talking on Twitter, you know, and. Uh, through that, people were tagging me and stuff, I guess. They're like, who's in community? Or like, who does community work? And uh, the CMO, Blake, he found me and he cold DM'd me saying, hey, love the work you're doing. We're looking into hiring a head of community for Copy AI. Like, I'd love to chat a little bit more. I was really hesitant because, one, I didn't know what the company was. And then two, that term is being like thrown around a lot. Like what community means, like head of community And I didn't want it to be like an entry-level position for where I'm at in my career. And so I was like, you know, let me just like have the intro conversation. You never know, because I was also working at a company that was about to IPO at that time. So it's kind of like 
Like, what do I do? You know what I mean? So I had the conversation with Blake and then I checked out the tool and my jaw dropped. I typed in literally uh, Memorial Day deals flying to Greece and Santorini. And it was like, you know, Instagram ad. And then like 10 different versions of that spit out. And I was like, oh my God, this is going to change the world. Like, this is actually insane. And the fact you can do it in any language. I think we're currently at around 30 languages, but that will obviously expand very quickly. Um, I was like, this is going to impact not just people to enable them to write more, but this is going to impact so many different professionals across countries worldwide, which is something that's of personal importance to me, especially at my previous role, working with international colleagues every single day. And I was the de facto editor because I was only native English speaker. After that, I had a chat with the co-founders, Paul and Chris, and it definitely became clear that this was a really cool startup to work at. And at the time, they were only five people or like four people. <laughs> and now we're at 11, almost 12. I think our next hire is starting in a couple weeks. Uh, and then they they gave me the offer letter and I was I started the week before um, the last company to work for IPO. So it was a very crazy time for me because there was obviously a lot of buildup to something I'd working on for years. And then... Um, the IPO moment was really great moving into a new startup, which is like peak. And then it's not a low to start at a startup, but like the scale was so different. And, you know, <laughs> I'm at uh, this. Yeah, the scale is just so different. And I ha- I really have to thank social media for that because I didn't know that was possible. Like, I really only have a LinkedIn. That's the only place people can find me on the Internet. But now they can find me on Twitter uh, just because, like I mentioned earlier, I never needed those kinds of things. Like I, I just didn't know what I didn't need that, I guess. And now all this, like every single week people are reaching out about community stuff. Um, so it's overwhelming, but exciting. The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.